Welcome to Touch Podcast, folks. This is Nathan Navarro. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Shannon Etheridge. And today we get to do a really fun thing. We're going to take the time to get to know Ryan Clark's dad. This is Toby Clark. And I remember when we started doing this, this was something that we thought would be really fun because not only do you guys get to know us a bit more, but, you know, doing this podcast is for us to kind of deepen into our own lives. And so these are conversations neither of us have had um, with, with our dad when we started this. And Ryan did his first. And, um, yeah, Ryan, how do you feel about this now that you've, you've done this exercise? Yes, I feel good. Well, I, uh, confession, we recorded this a little over a year ago. Uh, with my dad. So this was supposed to be in season one and then it, the, it got bumped. Um, so this interview got bumped. So yeah. Um, yeah, I feel good about it. You know, listening to it again for the first time, um, I was amused by myself listening to myself a year later and, but also, (laughs) and, uh, how I've evolved um, on the podcast, but also like, like, I don't know. I was just really proud of my dad because I, he, and he's, I don't know. You know, he's never done anything like that before. And we've never had any of those conversations, any of the conversations our listeners are about to hear. We'd never talked about any of that, about his relationship with my mom, about his views on sex and um, yeah, any of that. Yeah. So yeah, and it was good. It good. It holds up. The interview holds up. Well, I was absolutely blown away at his vulnerability and your courage. I don't know that I would have the courage to ask my parents such direct questions um, about their views and stuff. But I found it absolutely fascinating to hear from someone, you know, the generation in front of us who have a very different perception of the fifties and the sixties and the seventies and the eighties and all of that. And so just absolutely intriguing, just the generational differences from, you know, from the angle through which, or with the lens through which we all look at sexuality. Yeah. And I guess I should set it up. My, my dad came for Thanksgiving and along with my sister. And so they're, uh, my dad lives in California. My sister lives in Arkansas. We converged in Atlanta. And so I am taking my dad back to the airport and had and had asked him ahead of time, hey, you know, I have this podcast. Can I uh, ask you a couple questions about, you know, and he knew it was about sex, but he didn't really even know what a podcast was. So I explained all that to him. And then, um, yeah, my sister's in the back seat. She's squirming a little bit. She's not as comfortable with the conversation as I am, but... Um, so she jumps in there. She jumps in there with a really good, really good stuff. And so, yeah, this is just us on the airport taking my dad. And it's like, hey, before you leave, let me ask you a few questions about sex. I can envision her sticking her head underneath a water faucet to let the water flow into one ear and out the other to just wash out everything <laughs> her dad say about sex. <laughs> Yeah. Well, before we start talking about the juice too soon, let's give the listeners a chance to dive in. Um, So we're just going to drop you right right into the car with them, folks. So without further ado, here is Ryan Clark and his father, Toby Clark, and the wisdom and the awkwardness that ensues. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Ooh, yeah. 
Ooh, yeah, this is a condenser mic. So in order to be heard by the microphone, you have to talk into it. So this is Ryan Clark with Touch Podcast, and I am taking my dad to the airport with my sister, who is in the back seat in my... And we're just going to chat, no real agenda, um, as we, we go through Atlanta. Dad's been with us for a few days now, going back to Ventura, California. First time in Atlanta. What, what's your, uh, your impression of Atlanta? Well, it's not as big as I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be much bigger. But, of course, I haven't been to the downtown area of Atlanta as of yet. Well, we were going to do that yesterday with your daughter and her family, but we didn't get a chance to do that. Sorry. You have to just come, you'll have to come back One to day. do that. Yeah. Yeah, so Dad, you have a cough there, so try not to cough into the microphone, but I'm going to let you hold the microphone and when I ask a question, put the microphone in my face, and then when you talk, put it in your your own face. Okie doke. Okay. Yes, I will, Ryan. <laughs> okay, so put it in my face. Tell us about how you and my mom met. Now, let me say for people listening at home, uh, my parents divorced when I was five or six years old, something like that? We were seven, I was five. Okay, seven and five, so that was 30... Five years ago. So, this is not a new thing. This is an old thing. But I'm curious. Going back in time, go back. How did how did you and Mom meet? Well, we lived fairly close to one another. And uh, she had uh, gone out with a friend of mine a couple times. And I noticed her. And we talked. And we chatted. And... Then we kind of got to be good friends, and after we were friends for a while, we decided we were going to go out together, and we hit it off, and you know how things go. We got closer and closer, and we decided after about, oh, two years that, hey, let's get married. So we got married. And how old were you? I was 23. And mom was 19? Your mom was uh, 18, I think. 18. Oh, 18. But that wasn't too... That that seems really young now, but, you know, 40-some-odd, 45 years ago, that was not... That was not odd or early. Young, not too young. No, for me to be 23 and not married was... I was considered to be old. And not being married. Most of my friends were already married. So. Hey, who was the friend she was dating? Uh, the friend she was dating was Gary Muth. Yes. And so what was wrong with you? How come you weren't married yet? <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, <laughs> there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, I had uh, been going to college and I was working quite a bit. And I was uh, too busy. I didn't think I really wanted to get married. I seemed to like the way my life was going. But then I met your mom, and things changed. 
as everybody knows, when you think you found the right one, you get married anyway. And was uh, was she the first person you dated seriously? Like first girlfriend or? No, she wasn't the first girlfriend that I had. But I think she was the first real serious girl that I, I went out with. Yeah, the ones before were just, uh, oh, casual type dates. So did, did you like steal her from your your friend Gary or that relationship just imploded or what happened there? Oh no, he they had ended their relationship. Oh, it had been six months or so before I asked her out. What did Gary think about that? He never said anything either way about it. So I don't think he was uh, real happy about it, but I don't think he was ter- terribly upset about it either. So I'm, I'm guessing Gary must have moved on as well. He did, but you know, he never got married. The man never did get married. And he had, uh, he had uh, diabetes really bad. And he uh, ended up dying fairly young in life. I think he was in his 30s when he died. So when you and mom, so you and mom got married, you got married at someone's house, right? Your ceremony? We got married at her aunt's house in, uh, well, it'd be considered Ojai. Wonderful uh, old, old house that had uh, sort of like a balcony upstairs with stairs and she came down the stairs. It was really a beautiful wedding and we had lots of people there. Lots of people. The And I've seen pictures from back in those days. It was very beautiful. You all were very young and attractive and smiling and happy. And what was, what were the things that attracted you to my mom, to our mom? She was very pretty. She had beautiful long hair that went all the way down to her butt. <laughs> and uh, she had a, a beautiful smile, and she was very friendly. She was a very friendly girl. And that's what attracted me to her. What, um, so you guys get married. What? What were you doing at the time? What was she doing at the time, like, job-wise? Like, what was your life like the first couple years of marriage? I had started working for the county of Ventura, so I had a good study job. I was making fairly good money. And uh, your mom wasn't working. She never worked when we were married. Oh, that okay. And then after a couple years, you have me, and after another couple years, you have Aaron. And, yeah, go ahead. And we decided after having a boy and a girl that we had our family. We were not going to have any more. So, I think your mom, (coughs) I think if I remember correctly, your mom had her tubes tied so that she couldn't get pregnant again. If if I remember correctly. I might be wrong, but that's that's that's, that's what my thinking is. Yeah, I think that's right. That's right. And then 
Um, so tell me about, so this is an interesting question. This is a very personal question. You don't have to answer it, but, um, uh, my buddy and Nate, my buddy and, and I are, uh, have started this podcast and so you live in Los, so you live in Los Angeles or in the LA, north of LA, Ventura area. He lives on that side of the world. That's where we grew up as kids. Then we move to Arkansas, and now I got married, and Cindy and I have been in the Atlanta area, basically based out of here for the past 18 years. And so, really different cultures, Georgia and California, and Arkansas and California, and Arkansas and Georgia, all very different. So, one of the, so in our podcast, we're talking about sex in the podcast, and other things too. So, this is a question, you don't have to answer it, but tell me about you and mom's sexual relationship before you got married. Huh. <laughs> now that, you know, I, I, uh, it, uh, you know, that's, a, that's a, not a good question. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. You and answer and uh, the fact is, back there, if I knew now why if I knew then what I know now, we would not have had sex before we got married. Really? Uh, yeah. Why? Why is that? Well, because I feel I I've studied the Bible a lot and I kinda am a, a pretty good believer of the word now. Yeah. And I don't think it's right to do that. I right now I, I would not have sex with a woman just to have sex. Right. Okay. So that's, so, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what would you do differently than what you did? What are you saying you would do differently? Well, I think I would have waited on, on the sexual part of it until we were, uh, married. Uh, I, I don't, what I mean is, what what do you think that would have changed about your relationship? Well, you know, it's very possible that if uh, we would have held up on the sexual part of it, we might not got married. It's very possible. Say more about that. That's very interesting. Thank you for telling me that. But I am curious for you to say more. <laughs> well, no, don't you don't you think though the the sexual part of it is is a big part of the relationship as far as wanting to stay together. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you know, the glue, or can be, you know, an ingredient to the glue that, that keeps the relationship together. No, let me just say, I think if somebody is intimate with somebody else and they really don't enjoy that part of the relationship... I don't think they should be together. I'm just being honest. I think the sexual part of a relationship is very important. I agree. I agree. So, are you saying you wouldn't have any sexual contact or you would have had less or... So, oh, you're saying that if you hadn't had sex before marriage, you may not have gotten married because that was such a strong part of the... Your, your relationship? 
Well, it, it was a, a it was a strong part. Yeah, I think if anybody's honest about it, the sexual part of it is, is a big part of it. Yeah. So you're you're young. You know, she's eighteen. You're in your early twenties, and you're having fun. And you know, it's the seventies, and um, you're planning on getting married anyway, and. Well, I feel back then you didn't think there was nothing wrong with it, so why not do it? So you didn't feel a lot of pressure from your community um, then? You didn't feel any pressure to be like, no, you have to stay abstinent until you get married. That was never a big thing back then. No, Nobody thought that, oh... It was so wrong to have sex with somebody. It was. <laughs> you were coming out of you were coming out of the sixties, the sexual revolution. That's true. But and but you and mom, I remember us going to church together when we were really small, like it was like an Assemblies of God church or something, right? Yeah, we we went to church, um, and we had uh, a good time in church, and I think we all. We both believed in the Lord at the time, and but still, yeah, I think at least I didn't feel it was there was nothing wrong with having sex before marriage at that time. Yeah, well, that's real interesting to me, and I, I because do you feel like now there's more the church, evangelical churches, Assemblies of God, Baptists, those? Do you feel like they put more emphasis on that now in their teaching? than when you were young, or what do you think is different? Well, uh, I think the churches do, and they should. They should put an emphasis on on uh, uh, not having sex until you're married, because it, it's really, uh, I think it's important for the relationship to, to not have that uh, as be a, a big part of, of the relationship. Because I think it tends to uh, take over as far as as your thought process. You think, oh, man, this sex is so good. I want to keep having it. And <laughs> if you're married, boy, you got it sealed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's great. And so, um, so you and mom were married how long before you got divorced? So like nine years? Eight years. Eight years. You got divorced, and um, and so do you feel like? So you're. I, it sounds like what you're saying is if you had not been so sexually active before marriage, you probably would have passed. Probably would have dated for a while and then not married each other, and I mean it sounds potentially have found someone different that was a better match. Is that kind of where your thought is going, or you're, that's, are you thinking something different? It, it's hard to say. I, I think, uh, oh, I don't know. Sure, it's that's a hard question to answer. Uh, you know, love, love's a big part of it. When you love somebody, you know, you want to be with them. Uh, Oh, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. 
Yeah. And that's a long time ago, and yeah. Well, the, and thanks for trying. I think that one of the things we're talking to, we've the be, has become a theme, at least at the beginning of this podcast and doing interviews with church people, and that is that sometimes the the church the church's teaching on sex is so heavily based on guilt and shame that sometimes it does more harm than good. Not always, obviously. So it, it can be very, very good for people. And so I'm I'm curious about how how views on on sex changes or impacts you know how how the marriage develops and the other levels of intimacy in the relationship and yeah so that that's kind of where where the question comes from. There's, I don't know, there's nothing for you to say there, but I just... Aaron, do you have a question for him? No, I'm still um, dealing with listening to him talk about having sex with her mom, but it's cool. You guys are great. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's going to go, and you guys haven't... That was has not even been a possible possibility for like 40 years or something. You know? So I'm not even worried that... Like, for me, it's not. For me, it's not weird because it's sort of abstract. And there's nothing abstract about our mom's vagina or dad's penis. So, Aaron, my sister Erin from the back seat just said, "There's nothing abstract about my mom's vagina or my dad's penis." No, I think I think there is nothing abstract about it, but it's sort of yeah, it's well, distant. It's and I think it's, I think that you felt. Okay, we say that in the microphone. I think you failed to ask a really important question. Which is? What was dad's upbringing and attitude towards sex in the home where he was raised? Because if you're talking about religious mores, you have to find out what those were. Great, that's exactly right. So dad, what was like, how was sex addressed in the home growing up? Uh, mom did not, my mom did not want to talk about anything to do with sex. Nope. And you had, a, but you had an older brother. Yeah. He liked sex, boy. <laughs> <laughs> my my older, sex. my older brother had sex with any woman he could get. And he was quite good at it. <laughs> Is that what they... Is that what they see? That's the word on the street. That was, was the word of his ex-wife. He was a ladies' man. He was a ladies' man. His ex-wife will attest to that. Mom used to say he was the Casanova of Ventura. That too. He liked to flirt and uh, charm the women. See, I wasn't that way. I was not a flirter. Uh, I didn't uh, have a bunch of girlfriends. And uh, pretty much when I met your mom, I was, she was it. I didn't go out with anybody else. So but, let me ask, I'll ask another question. This is, I mean, this is, I realize this is total water under the bridge. It really makes no difference to anything now. But what would you say the fatal fall, flaw of your relationship was? Like, I think 
these kids are always curious, like, uh, why did mom and dad break up? But, so what would you say was like, it boiled down to, yeah, uh, uh, what? You, you know, I, I, I hate to answer that because it was real hard for me. I can turn the microphone off. And, um. Uh, I think, uh... Here, let me take... Here. I'm going to turn the microphone off, and then you can just answer it. Because I'm curious. Since you have your sister, my, your daughter in the car. Let me create yeah. a picture for some of you folks um, of what, what, what Ryan's dad looks like. So, <laughs> when I met Ryan's dad, I drove with Ryan across the country to, to start going to college at California. And so, while Ryan and I, Ryan and I were driving across country, he would preface... Uh, meeting him with little tidbits about him. One was that Ryan did not remember him wearing anything other than sandals his whole life. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, when I met him, he was wearing these weathered sandals. And um, yep. yeah, and he's when when you when you meet him, he is he's he's just like you mentioned, Shannon. He's of that different era with Ryan's still, you know, Ryan's kind of. Um, Forrest Gump type of bravery where he just kind of goes into <laughs> subjects unwittingly but is just fearless when he's into it and um, yeah we saw the best of both Clarks during that interview <laughs> oh, I like that expression <laughs> did, did the conversation continue after the recording stopped with that question oh yeah 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 so um, I guess what I could say about that is my my dad's story about why they divorced and my mom's story about why they divorced are not compatible in the same... Yeah, there are some alternative facts being told by somebody. So that was... Uh, and that's something that I... And so the next part of the conversation is stuff my sister and I had absolutely never heard because I think we had um, defaulted to my mom's side of the story. So... Uh, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast topic, um, for another day. But yeah, yeah. So, but the, yeah, the whole conversation was eye opening for us for sure. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So he was a complete open book too. After that, he just didn't didn't want it on the radio. <laughs> so another thing that stood out to me about this interview is that there seems to be a grass is always greener on the other side of the fence mentality in all of us as human beings. It seems that like, I know for me as an adult, looking back on this promiscuous teenage years, I've often said, Oh, I I wish I'd done it differently. I wish I'd done it differently. I wish I'd done it like you guys and saved sex until marriage. But then over the past 10 years, I have heard from so many people saying, I saved sex until marriage and I'm just really questioning why the heck I did that. And, and I'm not prescribing it. I'm just describing what people are often saying. Do you think that there is a grass is always greener mentality that blocks our appreciation for the journey that we've taken? Because I'm actually being very intentional in this era as I prepare Mm. to write the next book, Mm. just embracing my past and asking myself, what if I didn't just repeat what I had been told of, oh, I should feel so shameful over that and I should have all this remorse and regret because there's a part of me that's like, you know, I really learned a lot during those years. I really grew a lot as a result of trying to break free of that kind of pattern in my life. And I've certainly been able to do that very successfully and encourage others and inspire others that it is possible. So I'm not so sure that I regret it anymore. So I'm trying to recognize the grass is greenest 
where I am standing if mm. that's where I'm watering it. Mm. Interesting. I like mm. that. I like that. Yeah, that what is interesting. Think, yeah, I think my, I think the thing that surprised me was that my dad, um, you know, he comes around to, yeah, I think people should wait, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> to have to have sex after they're they're married. And, you know, I read into that, that he may have felt like, um, like if he wasn't blinded by all the good sex and all the endorphins and stuff, that he would have gotten to know my mom a little better and decided not to marry her. <laughs> Which, um, maybe they weren't as compatible outside of the right, right. I mean, obviously, they got a divorce, but I think, um, you know, there is something to be said about, uh, uh, getting to know someone really well through all seasons of life, even through times when the sex isn't good, before you marry somebody, because, like, like, I mean, it goes both ways, doesn't it? You know, if you, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in an abstract way, you know, time travel scenario or something where I still get to exist and be who I am, I think my dad, um, I don't know. I, I wonder I, if I, if I could ask him another question, it might be, did you feel like sex was sort of manipulating you into the relationship? Or I, I hate to think that my mom was manipulating him with sex. I'm sure she wasn't at age 18. They were just young people having a good time and it's like, yeah, let's get married. But um, I think that yeah. that generation of people, yeah. and, and I think that this probably goes across the board with most Christians, they feel as if if we've had sex, we have to make it right and get married. Yeah. So guilt oh, is yeah. what drives them to the altar. Well, guilt isn't very good glue to hold a relationship together. Mm. Um, but I still have women come through the women at the world workshops that are so angry at their husbands because they didn't save sex until marriage. And they feel as if they've been permanently stained and that somehow God's blessing isn't possibly on their marriage because they broke this cardinal rule or whatever. And I have to really kind of give them a gentle shaking and remind them that he didn't hold a gun to her head that they made a conscious choice as adults. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that there aren't some women out there who really were manipulated into sexual relationships prior sure. to marriage. But sure. more often than not, women do have the power to walk away from that if they choose to, but we choose not to because it feels good. We get caught up in the moment. We, we make what we think is the best decision in that era of our lives. So uh, I teach them that it's not just about forgiving him. It's about forgiving yourself because you, it was a co-created dynamic. You are just as responsible for what happened in the backseat of that car or the hotel room or whatever than he was. And so when they kind of look at it through that totally different lens, it's like the veil lifts and they realize, yeah, they have no right to harbor that bitterness and resentment toward him that uh, they have to take ownership and responsibility and um, forgive themselves and move on and know that God's blessing is on your marriage just because you're married. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what you did before or didn't do before marriage. I don't think that God loves marriages more or less because of what we did or didn't do prior. Yeah. And so that's with women who 
had sex with a different partner before marriage or with the same partner? With with that, like women oh. who had sex with their husbands before they got married. And, now, and so they have Oftentimes some... they are so angry at him because oh. they didn't maintain their own standard of purity and they, feel, yes. they, they yeah. blame him. Yeah, that like oh yeah that resentment and they're probably they're having some sort of dysfunction too and they're blaming it like because of whatever the purity teaching would kind of direct them to blame some sort of behavior it has the consequence of some behavior before they were married since they weren't perfectly pure at the altar then now they're suffering the consequence some some sort of thinking like that yeah and thinking along the lines of um I, you know, now I have a scarlet letter on my sweater and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tainted. I'm, I'm impure. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't think that it's a fair thing to project that blame onto men. I, I just think that women have to own up to, and here's a great way to reframe it. Mm-hmm. If, if you guys were so attracted to one another that you couldn't keep your hands off of each other prior to marriage, then obviously there's great chemistry between the two of you. Recapture that as a married couple. Stop blaming him that he weakened you and celebrate the fact that he's so handsome or debonair or whatever that he weakened you. Does that make sense? Like I'm not not promoting being weakened (laughs) and having sex prior to marriage. I'm just saying that if that's the way that it happened for you, try to look at it through a positive lens and make the best of it rather than using it as poison um, I, I just think that holding bitterness toward your husband that you guys had sex before you're married is like drinking poison every day, expecting him to die. You're only hurting yourself. Uh-huh. You're only hurting mm-hmm. the relationship. Wow. Ooh, I, I wish I could articulate, um, what I'm feeling really well among it. We've been noticing you like grabbing your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, so those of you know, we can see each <laughs> other. Nathan is just like. That's worth the video right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because as a man, right, what what I'm hearing Shannon describe is, you know, how women can take ownership of their part of the experience. And as a man, um, having sex before marriage and feeling the shame of that, uh, I didn't, I, I can't, that, that's like a new thought to me. Like, I felt like it was all my fault, you know, like. There, there's a part where, you know, in, in the story of, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, Eve having, you know, taken the fruit, some, some of the things I've heard men say to each other is like, oh, well, you know, it's because, you know, Satan knew how to tempt Adam by using Eve because that's how they can get us. And, you know, you know there's all this, you know, watch out for the woman and her sexuality and, and, and almost as if that they can't control themselves. So we got to do it and hold firm. And, and so like in that strange twisted way i've always felt like i've taken full ownership and it just compounded in a really uh i'm starting to feel the difference now shannon as you're describing you know as as you're describing women taking their side of it all of a sudden i'm feeling whoa there's a difference and and so this is a new thing i'm feeling right here yeah Maybe the problem isn't that you don't feel guilty enough. Maybe the problem is that you've allowed yourself to feel too much guilt. That's true. Let me ask it again. That this was getting lost in the confusion of, you know, serving God with all my heart and and taking on the fullness of my own sin, which happens to have the consequences of other people wrapped in it. And I, you're right. I just took it all. I took all the responsibility 
and I, I gave myself a double dose or triple dose of blame. And how's that working for you? It hasn't, it hasn't worked well at all. And I think the, the system many of us grew up in perpetuates the idea that women are weak and don't like sex or shouldn't. Yeah, shouldn't. Women, men are strong and are supposed to be the leaders. And so that it's that context where, you know, I've got where Nate puts all the responsibility on himself and a, a woman who is feeling guilt about or needs a place to attach her frustrations, angers about things not being perfect, like... Like that's the formula for, for that that scenario you just described, Shannon. I think, because, um, yeah, because if you can't own your own sexual desire, your own, then you can't, you know, take responsibility for the behavior that results from that, and it's convenient to put all the responsibility for that on men i mean you know it goes both ways right why do you know young men make the woman stop so she's like on one hand she's the one responsible for making the makeout stop and then on the other hand all the authority rests on him and it's just this it's just this real toxic and um dynamic it's weird and it's twisted absolutely um what was going through my mind as nate was sharing the the storyline of, well, it's the woman, she's weak, she's, you have to be aware of her sexual energies, and you have to be the strong one. It's like, wait a minute. I thought that was the story that women are told. Men just want one thing. So, you know, you're going to have to, you know, keep your guard up, keep your legs crossed and your panties on. Yeah, protect yourself, protect yourself, protect yourself, because men are pigs is kind of what we are taught. And so isn't it interesting how, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a two-way street when the reality is I think that the best strategy would be for all of us to guard ourselves from our own sexual energies by discerning when is it healthy to let those flow and when is it not. But, but I do think something that is probably pretty, pretty universal in Christian communities is this suspicion of where unbridled sexual desire can take you. And how it influences our decisions and, you know, this this thing that my dad was talking about, you know, are you just blinded by the by the sex, by the ecstasy of the sex? And in our next episode, uh, Nate has a wonderful conversation with a friend of his, Thomas Jagger, who will talk about refining our desire. And uh, I'm really excited about Next week's episode as well, where we it's really a, a continuation of this conversation where we um, where we, we look at sexual desire and then we're going to we're going to play with that idea from a from a non-Western perspective, non-Western Christian perspective. I, I want to, as we close this episode, also add that I want to challenge all of our listeners to talk to their parents about sex <laughs> wow Not, you don't get you don't have to get into the gory details yeah um but you know i think that all of us you know as we're we're growing up in life 
we um, as we develop, um, we situate ourselves and we develop our identities based on the relationships in our life. And you know, uh, to it it I, and to know more about our parents, I think, will helps us figure ourselves out. Mm. And you can think back to your childhood and say. Oh, that must be why this, like you have unexplained things for your child and not that everything has to be explained, but you have situations where you're like, that makes sense. You know, you start having these aha moments and that certainly happened, particularly like later conversations I had with my sister when we started sort of sorting out our, our childhood. And that helps me as an adult because who I am is a part of, you know, how I understand and have conceived of my growing up. So um, I, I, you don't have to get in the details, but I do think you should sit down with your parents and be like, hey, or a parent one at a time and be like, hey, I, honey, I, I think it's time that we talk about where where, where babies come from. <laughs> that's, that's what you... No, but seriously though, yeah. Sit down with them and talk to them about like, how did you fall in love and what was sex like and... How did that? How, you could ask them. How do you think that impacted us as kids? You know, that's a great idea. You know, were you? Did they fight about sex? Did they talk about it at the dinner table? Uh, you know, Shannon told the story in an earlier episode about you know if the door's locked, you know what we're doing. You know, you can yeah don't don't yeah don't don't be embarrassed. You know, there's no reason to be embarrassed. You know, all of those attitudes. You know that that helps make up who we are. So. Having a better understanding of that can't be anything but good, in my opinion. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Touch Podcast, folks. What a great episode today. And also, a special shout out to Nate, our co-host, who has just launched his own docuseries on YouTube called Gospel of the Body. Many of you are particularly intrigued by his journey, and now you can follow along and you'll find that link at nathandevero.com. That is N-A-T-H-A-N-N-O-V-E-R-O.com. And also, we've received a number of emails uh, from people looking for more resources on shame and to help with their relationships. So I also wanted to plug Shannon Etheridge's Women at the Well and Sexually Confident Couples Retreats. You can find out more about them at shannonetheridge.com. And finally, if you'd like to schedule me ooh la la, to speak at your church or for individual coaching, you can go to thatryanclark.com. Again, this is Nathan Navarro. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening. <laughs>